you have a Bible, Genesis 28, um, that's where we're going to go. We are in week number six of a series called Anchors. Um, most likely next week will be our last week in this series, um, and then we're going to move into a different one. Uh, but for the past five weeks, we've been talking about what keeps us grounded and what holds us back in our relationship with Jesus Christ um, and with others, uh, what keeps us from taking our next step. Um, anchors can be a good thing and a bad thing, and we've kind of talked through that every week. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about being anchored in generosity. And I know that sounds like a scary word, and maybe it'll cause you to me- immediately check out. Hide your purse, Martha. The pastor's going to talk about money, right? Um, and uh, it's crazy. But let me set this up, and let me let me kind of let me kind of just kind of can give a little confession um, before we start. Uh, because when we say words and we say different things or that we talk about different topics here at church, um, they can be scary. And all of us have kind of certain fears. Um, some of our fears are rational, but other fears are irrational, right? We, some of us, I don't know about you, but me, like I have, I have some fears that I don't even know why I have them. Like they just make no sense. And some of you, you have some irrational fears too. Like some of you, like I look at it like, you crazy, right? And, and you look at that, me like that too, I, I know. Like me, for example, um, I was talking to somebody this week, and they were talking about how much they love scary movies. How many of you scary movie fans? I'm not with you, all right? You're weird. You like scary movies? Like, you're crazy. You call me up, Pastor, you want to go see a scary movie? No, I do not want to go see a scary movie with you. I don't. Like, I, I just, I don't like them. And so they were talking about them, and they were, like, all excited, and they talked about their, their most favorite horror franchise of all time were the Leprechaun movies. Remember those? You guys know these things? Like, I didn't know there's, like, 18 of these or whatever, like Leprechaun in space or whatever. Like, I, I didn't even know. So I saw the first one. I legit saw the first one. Had nightmares for a week about a leprechaun coming after me. Now, that's irrational, right? Because leprechauns aren't real. Like, they're, they're just not. I mean, they're in cereal boxes and things like that. That one's kind of cute. That one is not cute right there. I mean, that thing's going to eat. And so, like, uh, like it's, it's irrational, right? A leprechaun is not real. However, my birthday is on St. Patrick's Day. And so I make sure that I'm home before dark and I don't go to the parades, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> irrational fear, Right? But then we have rational fears. There are things that are real, that are <laughs> legit, that we're afraid of. Like me, I'm afraid of mice. Terrified of mice. Terrified. Anybody else terrified of mice? Like I am terrified. If there's a dead mouse in the, in the sanctuary, I won't walk into this place for three days. Like it needs to be like cleaned and blessed or something before like, I don't, I don't even, like I, I am terrified of mice. And I don't really know the reason why. People ask me all the time, why are you so afraid of mice? I don't know. I think it has something to do with my two aunts. Um, when I was little, they were teenagers, and they had pet mice. And, and they, the pet mice multiplied multiple times, and they had these baby mice, and they took my hat, and they put these mice inside of my hat, and then they put it on my head and held it down, and these mice were scratching at and biting my scalp, trying to get to my brain to eat me. So that might be why I'm afraid of mice. I don't know. But anyway, um, I would argue that all of us have certain fears that are rational, certain fears that are irrational. Would you agree? Yes. All right. Now, a legit church fear that I have, um, and this is one that I've had for many years, um, is, is teaching about 
um, and preaching about the subject of giving and money in church. And let me tell you why I have this fear. Um, when I became a Christian, I, came, I come from a Catholic background. Um, so when I grew up, went to Catholic church. Um, and, and when I became a Christian, I thought um, there were two things that I thought I knew about church leaders. All right, Number one, they were either dirt poor or number two, they were corrupt and after everyone's money. Like, like seriously, I just knew um, in, in the Christian world, I just knew of the scandals of like Jimmy Swaggart and Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Y'all remember them? That was a train wreck, wasn't it? Like Tammy Faye get up on stage with 10,000 gallons of makeup on and just cry and cry and cry until you sent her $1,000. Like, remember that? Like, it was, it's crazy. And, and so, and, and so... Like, this week I was, I was reading about Jim and Tammy Faye because I, like, Wikipedia'd them and, and just to kind of remember and just kind of, like, as I was thinking about this, kind of refreshing back. And, 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 and you, you might not agree with this. I don't know. I don't know where you stand with them. Jim has uh, started preaching again, and he's, he's doing stuff, and I don't listen to him or I don't watch him or anything like that. Um, but I do believe that when they started out, they, they got into ministry with probably the best motives in the world. But then they went down a trail that wasn't good. And before you knew it, they took advantage of a lot of people. Like, but I believe, I believe they started out well. I believe he was preaching well and things were going and then money started rolling in. And, and, and when you're a pastor and you open an amusement park, like that's just probably like a, a point where you just got to say like, ah, I, I don't know. Right? Maybe we should just like pick one or the other. But because of that, when that happened, like there was this horrible fallout in churches. And so after that, pastors didn't want to teach on money because if they started teaching on money, people looked at them and said, oh, you're Jim Baker. That's all you are. You're just being like Jim Baker. And, and people would freak out, and so they didn't talk about it. And so when I first got into ministry, when I started, I started attending church in 1997. Um, I started volunteering right away, getting involved. I started going to Bible college um, about a year later. And, and I was thinking the other day, in Bible college, we never had a single class. Now, remember, they're teaching us how to be pastors, right? They're teaching how to, how to go out into the world and, and share the gospel and lead churches. But we never had a single class about how to handle finances. Like, I never heard one professor stand up and talk about, hey, this is, this is, what, this is how you budget a church, or this is how you do this in church, and this is how you, you do money and all of this other stuff. Um, the church I went to was a big church. They never talked about it, other than this big building campaign they were doing, and, and, and you were supposed to pledge money to the building campaign, and you pledge money, and then every week they, or every month or something like that, they gave you like an update of, of what you were giving, and if you didn't give, then they made a phone call to you, and they told you you weren't meeting your pledge, and it was like crazy like that. And, but, but nobody really talked about giving. Nobody, nobody talked about the gift of giving. Nobody talked about generosity. As a matter of fact, the first five years that I was a Christian, I bet I only heard two, three, maybe four tops messages on money. Now, every church I went to passed a basket to take an offering every single week, but it was never explained why. Every week they would have somebody come up and they would pray over an offering or somebody would come up and do some cheesy devotional that had absolutely nothing to do with money. It was just their turn to talk in church. And so they got up and they gave this little antidote or talked about chicken soup for the soul or something weird, crazy, corny. But, but, but it's never talked about why. And so because of that, when I became a pastor, especially when I came here to Central, I was scared to death to actually begin to teach on money because I knew as soon as I did, Somebody was going to get mad. 
Somebody's going to get angry. I knew somebody was going to send an email. Somebody was going to make a phone call. And somebody was going to say, what are you doing? Why are you talking about this? The Bible doesn't talk about this. Like, you should only bring this up. And blah, 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 blah. I, I, knew, I knew the arguments. And so it's still something today that in the back of my mind drives me away from teaching it because I know somebody's going to get mad. He has no right to talk about that. I'm never coming back to this church. I'm never doing anything like that again. But listen to me. As I look at the financial condition of the world today and as I look at the financial condition that people are in, it's crazy that we don't talk about it more, honestly. Because here's what's amazing. Money is something we think about all the time, yes or no? Yes. We think about it every day, right? It's something we stress about. It's something we worry about. For some people, it causes great, great, great anxiety in our lives. And it's something that the church won't talk about. And and I have to continually ask myself this question. Really, it's on every subject that I teach, but specifically on this. Am I going to live by faith or am I going to live by fear? Like, am I going to allow fear of people to control me or am I going to have faith in God that that God is, is leading me to lead this church in the way that he wants it to go? Because, listen to me, as you dive into the Bible, you discover the Bible talks about a ton of things that don't bother us. Things we just maybe take for granted, things we just kind of look over, things we just don't even think about, we just do. Like, for example, week number three of this series, we we talked about prayer, right? I, I preached about being anchored in prayer. And so let's say that I'm preaching about prayer today. Nobody's going to get mad. Nobody's going to be upset about prayer. Right? Nobody's going to walk out of here and say, I can't believe he talked about prayer. I hate this church. I hate this place. We shouldn't pray. God doesn't want us to pray. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody thinks that's weird. Right? You roll into any church in America today. They're going to stand up. Somebody's going to pray. Nobody thinks it's weird. Now, you might think they were a little long-winded, and you might wonder, oh, my gosh, are they ever going to finish praying? You might think things like that, but, but you're not going to get mad and upset because there was a prayer. But don't, don't, don't listen. Don't, don't, don't miss this. We would all agree, yes or no, that prayer is an important subject. Yes. But did you know that there are just shy of 500 verses in the Bible about prayer? See, we say it's important, right? We want to agree that it's important. And we say, yeah, we should talk about it. We don't have a problem talking about it. But there are only like 500 verses about it. And, that, and, and I know that's a lot. Or faith. Let's, let's talk about faith. If I were to come up here and I were to say, hey, today, open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. We're going to talk about being anchored in faith. And we walk through all of this stuff. And I said, hey, I'm all about faith. You should be all about faith. Um, we need to be anchored in faith. We're going to sing a song about faith. The Bible is all about faith. Have a strong Bible faith. Everyone would be like, yeah, sweet, awesome. Faith. We need to have faith. Do you know that there are less than 500 verses about faith in the entire Bible? Less than 500. But we would say faith is important, yes or no? Yes, we would all agree on that. When it comes to money and possession, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible. Does that make it important? Yeah, I think so. Listen, the Bible is not silent about this subject. And I decided years ago, when the Bible's not silent about something, I don't think pastors and church leaders should be silent about it either. I think the church needs to talk about it. And I believe, as a church... And as individuals, we should be anchored in generosity. I believe that we should be cheerful givers. Because listen, let me, tell you, let me tell you what generosity will do. Let me tell you what giving will do. Generosity and giving will break the cycle of greed in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what it does. 
Being generous breaks the cycle of greed in our lives. One of the things that we've talked about in this series is we said it's hard to be anchored into the things that Jesus modeled for us. And one of the things that Jesus modeled for us was generosity. He was generous in so many things. It's, it's hard to be anchored in that. It's easy to be anchored in the things of the world. Right? So we said it's hard to, be an- hard to be anchored in the things of Jesus. It's easy to be anchored in the things of the world. And one of the things it's easy to be anchored to is greed. Now, none of us, I won't ask you to raise your hand. How many of you think you're greedy? I won't ask you to do that because we won't call ourselves greedy. Right? We won't say that we're greedy. We'll say we're careful. Not greedy, pastor. Careful. Just careful with my money. I'm watching out for my money. I'm watching out for, for mine and ours and all of that. Right? I mean, we, we go through that. But Christians, let me tell you this, Christians can be the greediest people on the planet. Did you know that? Because see, here's what's fascinating. If you go back and you study history, early Christianity, the first 300 years when it exploded, when it blew up, first 300 years of Christianity, first 300 years after Jesus died, the church exploded. Like it was awesome. It was on fire. It was crazy. But it wasn't because of Christian theology. In fact, nobody understood our theology. If you go back and you study and you look at ancient documents, people thought Christians were cannibals because of the whole Lord's Supper thing. They didn't understand that. I don't get it. You're eating the body and blood and it becomes flesh and it does this and what. Like, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. People didn't understand it. But do you know why Christians were known all over the world? It wasn't because of our theology. It was because of our generosity and hospitality. That's why Christians were known. Christians were known. The church was exploding because of generosity and hospitality. Because at the end of the day, you can argue with me all day long about theology. You can. Like we sit here all day and argue about theology. But generosity and hospitality, can't argue about that. And I'm telling you, if you want to break the cycle of greed in your life, you, it, it doesn't come by praying. It doesn't come by just having great faith. It comes through giving. It comes through being generous. Now, I can be as greedy as anybody. All right? So, you're going to stand up, you're going to look at me and say, well, he can't, there's no right to stand up here. You're right. I don't. <laughs> I don't because I can be, ju- I've told you story after story after story about me being greedy and, and greed and dominating my life at certain times. But listen to me. If you will let him break the cycle of greed in your life, he knows how to bless you better than you know how to bless yourself. And I can say that because when I, when I am anchored into generosity, the ways that he blesses me, and the ways that he has taken care of me have been absolutely phenomenal. So with all that in mind, we're going to pick up Genesis 28, and we're going to look at the story of Jacob. We've been here the past three weeks, and I told you Jacob was a runner, right? Remember Jacob and Esau was born, and Esau came out, and he was all hairy, and Jacob came out after him, grabbed his heel, and he ended up stealing his birthright, right? He ran away from his family because he had deceived them. He had lied to them. He wanted everything that Esau had, and so he takes off, and he runs to this place called Bethel, um, which means the house of God. And so here's a runner who literally runs into the church. He gets there. um, He grabs a a rock for a pillow. He lays down. He falls asleep. He dreams about this stairway going to heaven, and Jesus is standing at the top of the stairway, and he has this encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus absolutely changes his life. And I told you, Time and time again, I'm going to continue to tell you this, that Jesus changes lives, and only Jesus changes lives. When we have an encounter and we meet Jesus, Jesus changes us. And Jesus changes him and gives him a vision for his future, unlike anything he's ever experienced. And he wakes up from the dream, and he's like, oh, that was 
that was incredible. How awesome is this place? And he goes on and he says all these things that are so profound and they're awesome. And we're going to look at them in a second. But here's what's, here's what's interesting, a little confession about this. I wanted to preach on this passage and use this passage on generosity three weeks ago. But as I began to go through it, and I looked at how generous Jacob was, I realized it was the result of him getting anchored in the grace of God and getting anchored in his giftings. And because of that, I thought, well, we have to address those two things before we get to this. And, and, and they were powerful to bring out of there. But as I began to look deeper into this, and I began to really lay out the reasons why Jacob gave, why, why Jacob was generous, why Jacob was a giver, I discovered, man, those are the reasons that I'm personally a giver. Like, like honestly, like these are the reasons that I'm anchored in generosity. Now, now, let me say this. At the end of the day, you have to decide. Like, you, you have to make a, a, a choice for yourself. Are, are, are you going to be generous or are you not going to be generous? Are you going to give or not give? And, and, and here's the thing. Like, we, you don't, have, you don't have to give anything to this church. Like, this is, not a, this is not a money message telling you that we're in financial trouble and we need you to give. This church is not in financial trouble. And matter of fact, um, this church is incredibly blessed um, because of the generosity of people in this church. This, this, this is not a message about that at all. Um, but you need, to, you need to decide if you're going to give or not give. Like, like you, you need to decide, are you a giver or are you not a giver? And, and, and if you are or aren't, you have to at least know why. Like we say all the time around here, we don't want anything from you. We, we want everything for you. And, and we mean that. You don't have to give a dime to this church. And we will still minister to you. Like, like seriously. But, but I'm smoking what I'm selling here. Like, and I would never ask you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. And so I want you to listen to me. The leprechauns are running on the roof right now. I will never talk about them again. <laughs> what was that? That was crazy. I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> Listen, we're talking about generosity. I'm talking about being anchored in generosity. I would never ask you to do something that I'm not doing myself. And so being, being anchored in generosity, it has changed my life. It literally has changed my life. I told you, there, there, I, I can be greedy. I have been greedy in the past. But being generous has changed me. And as I began to examine Jacob's story, Jacob's story and my story are pretty similar. And it's powerful when you can open up the Bible and you can look at it and you can see a story and it applies to your life. And it's, it's crazy when it comes alive like that. So anyway, um, we're going to read starting in verse 18. There are five reasons I see in this text as to why Jacob's generous. And, and I want to list these out because I think these are essential for us. And once again, if you give or don't give, if you are or aren't generous, you at least should know why, okay? So verse 18 says this, Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, which by the way, he, him pouring the oil, that's like an act of worship. He's worshiping there. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, look, look at this, this is huge. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and the stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth. So right here we see tithing, like giving a tenth 
at the house of God, that's, that's tithing. And tithing is happening before even established in the law. So this is pre-law. All right? I need to say that because a lot of people say, tithing is the Old Testament, Pastor, and we're living in the New Testament, so we don't do that anymore. We don't ha- ah. Actually, it was established way before the law. All right? And, by the way, if you're the person who uses that argument of it's Old Testament versus New Testament, Jesus talked about it. Jesus said, we should tithe. And so if that's your argument, that it's only Old Testament and New Testament, we're living in the New Testament, Jesus is in the New Testament, so there you go. Anyway, (laughs) but I'm looking at this text, and and I'm like, man, this is crazy how similar Jacob's story is to mine. And, And I'm sure, I'm probably quite sure, it's probably true of your story as well. So Let's go through this. Jacob gave five reasons, and I want, to, I want you to see if you can apply these five reasons to your own life. And if you can apply these reasons to your life, at the end of it, you, make the, you need to make the decision. Should I be generous? Should I not be generous? Should I give? Should I not give? All right? So th- this is what Jacob said. All right? This is, and this is, this is the Bible. Um, first thing Jacob said, if you're taking notes, number one, he said, if God will be with me, if God will be with me, then, I, then I'm going to give. Now, just a quick question, all right? Just ask yourself, as you look back over the course of your life, can you specifically identify times where you were absolutely sure that God is with you? Can you? Can you look back over the course of your life and identify times where something crazy happened or or something tragic happened or something awesome happened or just something at some point where you can think, man, God was with me. Can you do that? I can. I mean, it, it, for me, it's easy to see. See, sometimes in the moment we get caught up and we think that we're abandoned. God isn't with me. God left me. And then we get 5, 10, 15, 20, even 30 years down the road, and we can look back and we can see, whew, God was with me the whole time. Like, honestly, I can look back just over the course of my life. I'm absolutely sure. I'm 100% positive that God has been with me every step of the way. I could stand up here and I could tell you story after story after story of God's faithfulness all throughout my life, even before I was a follower of Jesus, even before I was walking with Jesus, he was still with me, he was still providing for me, he was still faithful to me. And I'm sure as you look back on your life, listen, 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 you might not be where you want to be, right? You, you might think, well, I haven't arrived, and, and I haven't done this, and I haven't gotten to do this, and I want to do this, and I'm not there. But, but listen, you might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you could have been had it not be, been for the goodness and the greatness of God in your life, right? Jacob said, if God will be with me, I'll be a giver. The second thing he said is, God, if God will watch over me, if God will watch over me on this journey that I'm taking, I'll be a giver. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but God's got a really consistent track record of watching over idiot Ryan making idiotic decisions on his journey. Anybody else like that? Anyone else want to be honest today? Again, as I look back over the course of my life, I could tell you story after story. My wife could tell you story after story. My kids could tell you story after story of God watching over Ryan, right? And once again, you probably have these stories too, where, where you needed somehow something to happen, something to break through, someone to provide. And as you look back, the, the, only, the only thing you could say is, oh my gosh, God absolutely took care of me. 
I was making some really bad decisions. I was doing some really dumb things, but God took care of me. So that's what jo- Joseph or Jacob said. That was the second thing that he said. Number three, Jacob said, if God will give me food to eat, he'll just give me food to eat. I'll give. Which for us, we look at this and we're like, dude, just go to McDonald's, Taco Wands or something. Because like most of us, we have plenty of food. We've got food options at home. A lot of us, like I don't know about you, but at my house, like on trash, the night before trash night or on trash night, like we're actually throwing food out to make room for more food that we're going to throw out the next week. Some of you are laughing because some of you identify with that. Some of us, some, some of us, our lives revolve around food. But in the ancient world, they didn't have board and arrows. I can't even imagine. They didn't have it. And they didn't have Chick-fil-A. They didn't have, like, whatever. And, and, and they really did struggle with where their next meal was coming from. Most of us today, most of us, I know there are some exceptions, but most of us don't struggle with this. Most of us, we've been blessed in this area. So at the end of the day, ask yourself this question. Has he given you food to eat? Has he given you food to eat? Not only has he physically given you food, but has he given you spiritual food to eat? Now, one of the things that we hear all the time around here is either when people come here from other places or, or people leave here getting ready to leave or they want to leave or they get mad or they get angry is the reason they left or the reason they're leaving is because they're not getting fed, right? You know, um, I have some opinions on that. I'm not going to tell those opinions today. Um, but he- here's the thing. As you think back to that, as you think back and you ask that yourself that question, man, has God, has God really not been feeding me spiritually? Has God fed me spiritually? I mean, have I been places, like as you look throughout the course of your life and, and, you, and you think about the gospel, and you think about the message of Jesus Christ in your life, has not God been faithful to you by feeding you spiritual truth? He said, hey, if God will feed me, then I'll give. The next thing, number four, he said, God, if you'll give me clothes to wear, if you give me clothes to wear, I'll give. Now, let's be honest. Americans, I don't, I don't know how this is in other parts of the world, but I imagine that we are the only people in the world who can walk into a closet full of clothes, look around, and say, oh, I have nothing to wear, Right? And, 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 and that's just the women. That's not the men. All right? Listen, that's not a sexist comment. Right? That's, that's the truth. This is a real comment. Men don't care. Right, men? Men don't care. Women have to dress how they feel. Men don't dress like that. Men aren't like, oh, I feel like. No, they just, yep, it's clean. And put it on. Like, that's what, that's what we do. That's how we pick out our clothes. But once again, as I was looking through this text, and I was thinking about how Jacob must have felt on his journey as he's running away. Think about this. He's running away from everything that he knew. They didn't have stores that they could go into. They didn't have Wilkie Clothiers. He couldn't go in there and have a suit tailor-made for him. They didn't have the buckle. They didn't have, well, J.C. Penny probably went out of business back then, too. But it, <laughs> shop Wilkie's across the street for all of your men's needs. And women's. Seriously, though, they didn't have stores they'd go into to pick out a robe, a sash, a turban, a headband, whatever. They didn't have that. 
So, so he didn't know where his clothes were going to come from. He didn't know. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you didn't have a lot of clothes or not many clothes at all or you just didn't clean. But, but people, there are people who really do struggle with that. And man, as I look back over the course of my life, God has provided for me always. And I'm not just talking about clothes. I'm talking about the, the things that he has provided for me every single time, every need that I have had, especially since becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, God has provided for me. And, and listen to me, I have a lot of stuff. I don't have everything I want, but I have everything I need. I, that's important for you to ask yourself and, and think through. You might have, not have everything you want, because let's be honest, there, there are a lot of things that we want. But if you were to really look at how God has provided for you, do you have everything that you need? Do you? God has always provided for me. Always provided for me. Sometimes in ways that I can't even explain. There have been times, there have been things, there have been ways. I, I, I remember years ago, it was, it was 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago in a month. I remember it because it was my son's very first birthday. Had an employee um, that stole everything from us um, money-wise uh, so much so that, that the bank uh, froze all of our accounts and, and cleaned out mine and Mary's personal checking account the savings account for both of my kids took all of it. that's how much money and bad checks this this guy had wrote it was crazy and we had absolutely nothing and we had a little boy that needed diapers and we needed milk and we had a house paint we had all of this stuff and in a supernatural way and I could stand up here and tell you this entire story, but in a supernatural way, God provided for us through a $50 gift card. Um, and, and, and this is amazing, amazing how God has always taken care of us. And I'm sure there are things in your life that you've needed, that God provided, that you just can't quite explain. Like, I, I know that's happened to most of you at some point in your life, and it's absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? Amazing when that happens. The last thing he said, number five, he said, if you'll return me safely to, to my father's household. If you return me faithfully, if you return me safely to my father's house, then I will give. In other words, he said, I'm running, but one day I might want to come back. And ultimately, I do want to be restored. So he was like, hey, I, I want to run away and I want to do my thing. But, but, but I know I, I, I want to come back and I know I want to live in daddy's house. And, and when I'm looking at this text, I thought, man, that's, that's my life. That's my life. Like there have been so many times that I have ran. There have been so, there were so many years that I ran from God. There were years when I ran from the call of God on my life. And, and listen to me, in my life, God has brought me to a place I thought I would never be. I never thought I would be standing somewhere preaching. I never thought that I would be, I'd be a pastor. I, I never thought the, the things that I have in my family, like I, God has done so much for me and he's been so generous to me and i'm sure he's done the same in your life once again maybe in your life maybe things aren't ideal but as you're looking back over the course of your life you'd have to admit god has been faithful like god has been faithful he's been faithful and he's been generous he's been faithful to me he's been generous to me now jacob when, when, when he did all of that stuff, he said all that stuff, he's like, God, hey, if you'll do these five things, then there are going to be a few results. All right? he, said, he said, God, if you do these things, number one, you're going to be my God. 
He's like, hey, dude, if you do this, like, I'm going to worship you. That You're going to be the one. Like, you're, you're the main one, and I will follow you no matter what. Number two, I'm going to set up this rock to you. Like, this is going to be, like, this is going to be a place. This is going to be a house. People are going to come and worship you. And then number three, he said, if you do all these things, I'll give you a tithe. I'll give you 10%. Now, I know I've, I've told you, never tell God, if you do this, I'll do this. God, if you do this, I'll do this. Um, but somebody, I need to say this. It's just in the text. I'm not sure. I know in other ways we ain't supposed to do it, but it's right here. So please don't email me about this and, and mess up my theology because there are certain things that I just don't know. He's doing it right here, right? He's like, hey, if you do these five things, thank God, you're going to be my God. I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to give you 10%. Now, the reason I give, at the end of the day, there, there's a lot of reasons I give, but these five things, these five things God has done over and over and over and over again in my life. And these are the things that have driven me to be anchored in generosity. God, again, God has been generous to me. And I've had to learn the hard way that generosity is greater than greed. Because at the end of the day, God has given me way more than I could ever return to him. In fact, the most popular verse in the, in the Bible is John 3.16. Right? It talks about what God gives to us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And listen to me. This isn't in your notes, but you can, you can write this down. Giving anchors us to the heart of God. And here's why. Because God's a giver. God's a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. God is a giver, and being anchored in generosity anchors us to his heart. One of the things that I've learned about walking with Jesus is we're either going to live our lives by design or default. We're either going to live our lives by design or by default. And if we don't design, listen to me, if we don't design putting God first in our finances, we'll never default that way. We just won't. And, and listen, let me, let me say this. If anybody's getting mad that the pastor's talking about money today, if God's not worthy, don't give him a dime. If he's not worthy, if he's not doing those five things in your life, just don't give him anything. But I don't really think you want to go there. Not if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But listen, I'm telling you, God has been faithful to me. He's been generous to me. And I've, I've discovered he, he's way more worthy than the mere 10% that I'm giving him anyway, Right? And so at the end of the day, God's not asking us to do anything he hasn't done already for us. He gave. And if we're to anchor ourselves in the things that Jesus modeled for us, then Jesus was a giver. Listen, I, I've, I've been saying for weeks about this church. I've been talking about as we, as we begin bouncing forward, as we begin moving into ministry. And, and, and that's, that's the thing. I was, I was thinking about this earlier. We, we shouldn't be talking about coming back to church we should be talking about moving forward in ministry that, that's that's really what what this church is that's really what what this church is about i've told you we've got to be a place where broken down messed up people can walk in where lost people can get found where found people can get grown up where excluded get included and where the gates of hell get pushed back a little further and god gets all the glory for it that's who we are like, that's, that's who this church is, and that's what we're doing. And generosity is a big part of that. Let, let me quickly show you some ways, because this church has been so generous. Let, let me show you some of the ways generosity are paying off here at Central. We have, we have great facilities, right? I mean, that's easy to see. 
You can look around in this place, man, it's meticulously taken care of. People who have been cleaning during COVID stuff are stepping up. They're absolutely phenomenal. People who are part of the, the grounds team, everyone who is part of that, thank you so much. Your generosity of your time and your talents to come in and do that are amazing. The financial generosity for us to be able to have these facilities is great. Within that, we have an incredible kids' ministry. Man, Jen and her team do a fantastic job teaching kids about Jesus. Your generosity of your giving time to teach kids about Jesus is paying dividends. And it's absolutely amazing. I'm personally incredibly thankful for that, as well as the kids, because Ryan doesn't have to stand in there and teach them about Jesus. Then our kids' ministry, because of generosity, we have an Awana program here on Wednesday night, which is absolutely phenomenal. Tons of kids get to come in here, and the foundational elements of Jesus Christ are being built in their, in their lives. Um, we have a VBX program. This summer, um, because of COVID, we were, I think, the only church in town that had VBX on site. And we had like 60 kids come to VBX um, in, in those three days to hear the message, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. We have a place for our teens to go. We have a house, right, a place where we're helping our students understand God's word, right? We're creating an environment um, of expectation and anticipation for them. Our 712 Youth Center is amazing. And inside of there, Chelsea and her team of volunteers and and you guys that come in here and and help with that, you guys are awesome. On Friday nights, on Friday nights, we've been open for three Friday nights, past three Friday nights at that place. And, and there have been so many kids come through. Listen to me, non-church kids. Like, we have a mission to reach people who are far from God. And because of your generosity, we have an amazing opportunity. This place is like a mission field. I'm telling you, people that don't know God, people who are far away from God, people who are kids who are searching, kids who want answers, kids who, who, who want to connect with other, with other kids or with adults, like, this is the place. It's happening here in Carroll because of your generosity. This isn't happening in other places. You want to see missions work? You want to see that? You want to be like, oh, I want to go on a mission trip. You, you don't need to go to Mexico. You don't need to go to Venezuela. You don't need to go to India. You go here on a Friday night. Go help out. Go volunteer at this place on a Friday night, and, and you'll see amazing things that God is doing. Kids coming in, it's just it's phenomenal. I could go on and on about that forever but we're building an amazing group there because of your generosity because of your generosity we have a campus in creston a satellite church who would have ever thought that central church in carroll iowa would be expanding out into other communities we have a place right now they're meeting right now they're hearing the same exact message that you're hearing they're watching it on video they had worship this morning they're, genero- they're, they're being generous down there. We're reaching Jesus in that community. We're watching lives being touched and changed down there. Um, we support missions um, across seas. We, we support local missions. Um, there's missions down in Creston that are getting supported. Um, I have an incredible staff here at church. I have an amazing staff here at this church of, of people who are, are here um, supporting me. And they're paid because of your generosity. And they're able to do that. This church has been awesome in its generosity. But we're not done yet. We're not done. How do I know we're not done? Because God's not done. God's not done yet. Listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian, Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your life. And the reason he wants your life is the same reason he wanted my life. It's because he knows he can do way more with your life than you can do with your life. Jesus has greater plans for us than we have for ourselves. 
The question, if you are a Christian, is, is Jesus first in this particular area of your life? Is Jesus first in this particular area of your life? If not, today's a great day to start. I mean, you can sign up for financial coaching, financial counseling. You can sign up for Financial Peace University. It's one of the greatest classes we have here at this church, one of the greatest life groups that we have, by the way, is Financial Peace University. You can sign up for that. Ask us questions about it. You can giving today. I don't know. But put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. And if you don't know Jesus, let me say this again. If you don't know, the question is not, will you give your money to Jesus? It's will you consider giving your life to him? Generosity, church. Generosity is far greater than greed. But you have to decide which one you're going to be anchored to.